0: When a ghost gets the blame for a pilot light problem, who are you going to call? Welcome to Service Calls, a podcast for service techs brought to you by TechTown and Food Service Equipment Reports. In this episode, we're talking about prepping outdoor kitchens for a cold winter. And joining me is Food Service Equipment Reports Associate Editor Alex Arnett.
1: We'll also hear about an old asylum, a lady in red, and some pesky pilot lights.
0: But first, winter, along with its frigid temperatures, is right around the corner for much of the country. And on the phone from St. Paul, Minnesota, we're talking to Smart Care Equipment Solutions Technician Support Supervisor, Clint Wilson, about the most important steps to take when winterizing outdoor eating spaces. And Clint, uh, what's one of the most important things to address when getting ready for the cold weather?
2: So if we start with the outdoor-type kitchen bar atmosphere, uh, even this would even apply to food trucks. You need to really prepare for a downtime, an off-season, with removing water from equipment to removing the water from drain traps, making sure the water lines are shut off. Uh, you basically want to get all of the water out of that area so you don't need to worry about uh, freezing lines uh, is the main main issue there.
1: So now can you tell us a little bit about what the services include with the winterizing?
2: So the, the services would, would be to, again, if we stick with just the water in, in that type of an, a, of an area, you would have to have somebody shut the water off. So you, that, that means locating the off valves. You would want those lines to be blown out. You can't leave water sitting in a a a line that's been closed off. The same thing would apply to drains. Drain traps would need to be blown out and it would be best practice to add some uh, RV type antifreeze into that drain trap so that the trap is still functioning as it should be, but yet won't freeze. If there's an ice machine, for instance, out there, that ice machine will hold water. So that ice machine needs to be opened up and have its water compartment dried up as well.
0: Can you tell us, you know, how have services changed because of the pandemic and are you getting a lot more requests to prep outdoor dining spaces, for example?
2: Some of those areas may have had beverage carts or or beverage equipment installed in them. uh, So that the, what I stated would, would apply there removing the water from those, uh, especially uh, again, coffee brewers. The other important aspect around the water is filters. Water filters need to be removed and drained, otherwise they will freeze. Anything with water in it that, you know, gets below freezing will eventually ruin that equipment. It'll ruin the water line. It'll freeze, expand, split. Coolers would be the next thing I would uh, dive into in an outdoor area like that. If they've got coolers out there and they're going to shut them off for any like the time, of course they need to be cleaned out thoroughly. Normally, technicians would try to leave the door open so that cooler could breathe. But if it is left outside in an environment like that and it's left with any kind of food remnants, let's say, you know, pests this time you're always trying to get into warm, inviting, uh, sheltered areas as well. So I would definitely want to keep those closed up, but I want to clean them as much as possible, put baking soda in them and make sure they're steel tight.
1: So it sounds like there's possibly a lot of things that are easy to miss when winterizing in a restaurant. Can you talk to us just about a couple of maybe some of the most commonly missed aspects?
2: The, the winter environment, at least in Minnesota, is much harsher than the summer environment. So here in, in the northern climates, the winter PM or fall PM is the most important one of the season. So what really needs to be looked at in the HVAC equipment are belts uh, to make sure that they are going to survive the, the, the season, uh, but then heat exchangers. Heat exchangers in HVAC equipment are very suspect here to have cracks in them from heavy use. And those can go undiagnosed until there's actually a problem with the unit.
0: How do you personally prepare for a, a safe winter in the field?
2: Personally, right, you have to choose clothing that you know is going to survive the season you have. But then the other thing to consider is what is in your vehicle? What is in the service van? What do you have for chemicals in there that could freeze and cause a problem in your van? But also what kind of parts should you stock up on knowing what your customer base is going to be for the season? So there there are a lot of things to consider there to make your day-to-day go smoothly
1: all right is there anything to note about makeup air units
2: so makeup air units are very critical again in the northern climates that they're functioning well Uh, they have most of them here will have interlocks in them so if they are not producing a certain temperature of air flow into the building they shut down on a safety, but when they shut down on that safety, they also shut the exhaust hoods off. So that would mean the restaurant now is completely closed until that makeup air unit is serviced. So that, again, is very important to have a thorough PM done in the fall and this time of the year to that unit to make sure it's going to survive through the winter season.
1: Anything with thermostats?
2: There are so many varieties of thermostats. It's really hard to give a direct answer to that Uh, i would say know your thermostat find the manual for it get familiar with the basic sequences of the thermostat some managers some locations like to have their thermostats go back on setbacks some don't it just that's all kind of a personal preference and it's a building preference Uh, you can actually use more fuel trying to get a building back up to temperature if it had been set back than if you had just left it at a stable temperature.
0: Here in Chicago, I know we've always, you know, every winter, you're like, you know, we, when it gets really cold, you got to run the water just a little bit. So, so pipes don't freeze. And we've always told they would explode. Uh, is that true? Do, do, would pipes actually explode if they they freeze? And, and have you had to answer that call before?
2: So several times, In restaurants, I've had issues with water lines breaking open and exploding really isn't the correct term, but I understand why people would say that. Uh, The line will, will freeze, of course, and usually when it freezes, isn't the problem. The problem shows up when the line starts to thaw out. A little bit of heat gets to that line for whatever reason and that ice starts turning to water. And then of course the pressure of the water forces the ice The line has been split from the ice freezing, but the ice kept the line plugged or that split plugged. So when that ice does melt, that crack opens up quickly and uh, you get a lot of water in a very short period of time.
1: Okay. Now, Clint, do patio heaters fall under your scope of services?
2: Some companies will service them. Some won't. Um, We do... Uh, I guess for certain customers, at least, uh, there are many types and styles of patio heaters. Uh, I don't think anybody really likes working on them. They are a nuisance from a service standpoint. Uh, It is good for the customers to retain their paperwork or at least their supplier of where those units come from because parts are difficult to find. They're not a standard oven fridge Uh, cooler that you can just go by the model name or or brand name and go find parts for them. Typically parts for these are, are hard to come by. They're hard to find. They're not easy to get at in the heaters themselves. They're just not a lot of fun to work on from a service standpoint.
0: Thanks a lot. Smart Care Equipment Solutions Technician Support Supervisor Clint Wilson. Great advice. Uh, Next up, it's our From the Field segment, and this is a pretty timely story for the season. We go on the phone to Pennsylvania, where Clark Service Group Regional Supervisor Jason Quiñones is actually calling us from his van to tell us about a call. He got to go to a nursing home. Uh, Jason, set the stage. Why did you get the call?
3: Well, there's been many companies out there trying to figure this out, and they couldn't figure it out. So the the initial complaint is that they can't the pilot on the on the oven. From time to time it will go out or blow out. And they couldn't figure out why.
0: What was the place like when you, when you showed up on site? You mentioned it was an asylum back in the nineteen hundreds. Yeah. So what was yeah. what was it like this, when you got there? This place is creepy, man. I mean, like I said, we're technicians, man. So
3: we, we go to some some places where we're just like we just question it like what 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 was this place back then you know it just makes you wonder but this place was located in the coal regions of uh, pennsylvania uh it was on top of a mountain and it looked like an old spooky you know creepy building it had like an old you know one of those gold coal uh chimneys one of those huge chimneys you know that's how i think they still use that um, up to that point yeah it it was very creepy everything pretty old like they haven't really upgraded stuff for for a long time
0: so uh how did you go about diagnosing why the ovens pilots kept blowing out
3: we get a lot of calls like this um and they they could they can be frustrating frustrating for the customer and us technicians sometimes you know we have people putting fans you know like to dry uh you know one of those uh, floor fans you know to dry the floors i mean there could be so many scenarios but what i first did was just started to go just about how i usually do stuff you know and just start try to investigate more talk to the customers and just try to get feel for for what's going on or anything like that the larry was uh the maintenance guy he he looked like he's been working there for since the 1900s (laughs) he he, he, he was just part of the building man (laughs) so so yeah um so pretty much I, i went about like everybody just ganged up on me and just started like pretty much like joking around and telling me that it might be the ghost. Because, you know, I I also joke around. you got to have fun when you're out there. So they started bringing up the story about their lady in red. So I just usually went about my business and just kind of ignore the. (laughs) I just didn't know how to take it, you know? Yeah,
0: right, right. (laughs) They start telling you, yeah, we think a ghost might be responsible for this. Yeah,
3: yeah. And sometimes, you know, I joke around like that. Oh, maybe it was a ghost. But, you know, this, this time they were really serious. They were really telling me that this place was actually haunted and these ladies are like old you know older ladies uh that have been working there for a long time so they they had they had some history with the building and some really like you know cool stories about this lady in red and i'm just you know standing there and i'm just thinking these you know these these ladies are just right. having fun with me or, or they're just they're just pick, you know they're just messing with me you know yeah, they saw, they
0: saw fresh meat come into the old asylum. They're like, we're going to get yeah, this guy.
3: Yeah, we're going to get this guy. And and I'm just thinking, I'm like, well, that's why there's been so many technicians here. Right. <laughs> Nobody wants to hang out here.
0: Um, I just imagine a whole bunch like technician after technician running out of the building with their arms in the air. I'm
3: out of here. I'm out of here, yeah. But, yeah, just to set the scene, too, in that kitchen. When you walk in that kitchen, like, they had the old green, like, soap lime green uh tiles sure. i mean it, just, it looked like it, it hasn't been upgraded since the 70s you know yeah. um and this stove you know you could tell it's, it, it was only there for, it's, it's been recently installed it was recently installed within a year or so so and you know they just haven't had any like any nobody has had any luck trying to figure out the problem oh um, so it
0: was a new stove and it was having the pilot light problem still so yeah. that kind of gives a little more credence to that lady in red uh
3: yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> but um yeah I guess apparently they they really have seen some a uh, ghost there and I guess the the, the, the place is uh, also known for that
0: yeah. well you did find out that there was an actual real issue with the uh, oven can you tell us what the uh, what the issue was with the pilot lights
3: I started looking at just the basics you know gas pressures you know just look at the insulation look for any drafts you know make sure that the pilot flame was you know large enough also. The thermocouple was producing the right millivolts, and I went about just diagnosing things, just just taking my time, th- my time, and just being more thorough with it. I, know, I noticed when I when I arrived there, there was another service uh, contractor there, and it's always good to you know keep an eye on your surroundings. You know, just be atten- be more attentive. You know, when you when you arrive on site, just take a look at stuff because sometimes some things might be related. So yeah, I found we found that the gas problem was actually due to the new boilers that they were installing so they were the uh, they were converting from from I think they still have coal like a, oh. like an old coal furnace there and they were converting things over that's how old this place was so they were converting it, upgrading everything over uh, through propane so what happened was actually uh, the, the two boilers the, they, they never calculated the BTUs so they pretty much pretty split off uh, uh, off of the main gas uh, line, they, they split off these other two furnaces, but they never took a, into account whatever was on there. And, and that's what was affecting it. Ultimately, it was actually
0: causing the unit to
3: to sometimes lose gas pressure and uh, have intermittent issues that were just driving people nuts.
0: So we always look for a, a moral of the story. <laughs> what, what do you think is the moral of the story? And what advice do you have for a service tech who maybe in a similar scenario?
3: Oh, uh, wow. Well, just be just be attentive to your surroundings. You know, always be thorough. Always, you know, because when you, when you do this for a long time, you know, I've probably been doing this for like 17 years. You kind of get, you know, and, and just in the habit of doing things and you pretty much get to know or sometimes you just assume things, you know, instead of checking things, you know, and we're, we're all, I'm just being honest, we're all humans. Uh, and I think it's sometimes best just to go back to your basics, check gas pressures, you know, um, and just double check all your work and always be attentive. And you got to be careful with that lady in red, man. She'll come and get you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that may be the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: be careful of the ghost, man.
0: <laughs> Good advice for all situations, not just a scary kitchen. Uh, thank you, Clark Service Group Regional Supervisor Jason Quinones. And now it's time for our Nuts and Bolts segment, where we hear from you answering our monthly question. Uh, this month we asked, what's one issue in the service industry right now, and what's one idea you have to solve it? First up, Gary's East Coast Service Accounting Specialist, Alana Petiti.
1: There is a transition with new generations coming into the service industry. The issue we face is finding how to use this change effectively. To solve this issue, we need to be open to new while also listening to the perspective of all generations. The best way to start is acknowledging the differences and understanding that collaboration is the key to success in our industry.
0: The next three came in via email, so I asked some colleagues to loan their voices. Uh, This is from Duffy's AIS CEO, Wayne Stoutner. One issue that the service industry is facing right now has to do with COVID vaccine requirements. State and federal government customers are requiring our technicians and installers to be vaccinated in order to work at their facilities. Our solution to this has been to survey our technicians and installers, create a roster of vaccinated workers, and only send them to the job sites that require vaccinations. Additionally, we discuss these restrictions with our unvaccinated workers and remind them that our customers are requiring the vaccine. We as a company have not required it, but we have to be sensitive to our customers that do. Should more and more of our customer base require the vaccine we inform our team that our stance may have to change in order to keep up with the rapidly evolving circumstances. Next up EMR Tech Jason Gosley.
4: I believe one of the biggest problems facing the service industry today is a lack of high quality young technicians coming into the field. The unfortunate reality is for the last 20 years Best and brightest students have been taught college is the only path for a successful career, and trade programs are for the kids who can't go to college. Sadly, that was the case in my high school and several others I know of. Oddly enough, we can see many intelligent people struggling to find good jobs with their degrees, while service tech companies struggle to find employees smart enough to service the new generation of equipment the industry is putting out. The answer I see for this issue is two parts. Firstly, programs like EMR's new Build a Tech School are needed to allow people already in the workforce to be retrained and plugged into the service field right away. Secondly, we need to get involved in our local high schools and vocational schools. Young students need to see the amazing opportunities available to them and the huge need for intelligent and highly trained men and women in the service industry.
0: And this one comes from Hawkins Commercial Appliance Service Company, VP of Operations, John Schwind.
2: One issue facing the service industry is the labor shortage. There's too much work for available technicians. Choose who you work for ease of doing business with, potential for profit, and ability to give that customer premium service for the premium price.
0: Thanks to my colleagues, Ron Brown, Jennifer O'Neill, and Mike Hoffman for voicing those up. And thank you everyone who chimed in this week. We really do appreciate your time Next month, our question is, what's one tip for resetting customer expectations as we emerge from the pandemic? We'd love to hear from you, and you can call in to leave a message. Our number is 312-788-7618. That's 312-788-7618. You can also email or record a voice memo on your phone. And send it along to servicecalls at fermag.com. And that's it for this episode of Service Calls, brought to you by TechTown, in partnership with Food Service Equipment Report. We'll be back next month, so be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I'm Rob LaFrance.